What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. We've got a special edition coming at you. Jane Menton, New York City. Go follow the new Twitter account where we've got the new information coming your way of the actual regulations they're bringing to New York City, you know, to starve out the poor, because let's be honest, that's what they're looking to do. Uh, Jane, I know you from uh, Gene's incredible uh, Soho Forum debate series, where I know you do some of the work behind the scenes, but why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, the Run Your Mouth listeners? Um, I'm Jane Menton. Uh, Robbie and I go way back from the Soho Forum, where I'm the operations head. And about a year and a half ago, I also joined the co-op board of my Queens co-op, which is in Sunnyside. Um, just wanted to get a, like a little bit more into community, uh, into the community here and help out where I could. During my first month on that board, I found out about this local law 97 that's going to have just a tremendous, I mean, catastrophic impact on the city. And since I first found out about it, I've just been fighting it like a mad woman. I started these um, new social accounts basically as a place to collect all of the information about why this law uh, can't work, won't work. It will bankrupt people. It will leave them without heat in the wintertime. Um, so I'm really excited to just kind of get into the specifics of that so people know about it. Great. So. One of the things, I mean, well, first, be, I, before we hop in, just let, let's throw Gene some juice. What's the next debate we oh, got yeah. coming up? What, what's um, the, Gene's what's the next one lined up? debating. Right. Um, oh, yeah. He, those are always spectacular. Yes. yes um, he is debating Andrew Koppelman on um, the liberta libertarianism has been corrupted by greed, selfishness, and disdain for the weak. Um, Andrew wrote a book that basically, that's the thesis of it, and Gene uh, saw that, read the book, and was like, oh, no, I can tear this to bits and <laughs> invited Andrew to debate him. Um, they made it happen. That's taking place Monday, May 22nd. Um, tickets actually are selling really fast for that. Everyone loves to see Gene get get in the ring. So um, if you're interested, go to thesohoforum.org. Um, you can get tickets to the live event, the reception, and our live stream on Monday, May 22nd. And I feel like the uh, the last debate he did against uh, Wolf, I forget the guy's name, but in terms of oh, Richard uh, Wolf, yeah, Richard Wolf, in terms of just arguments for liberty, I mean the amount of views that got on YouTube, that was a pretty uh, spectacular argument for liberty. The last one, that one has five million views on YouTube. Yeah. It's actually the most watched video on all of Reason TV, which is that, yeah something that we're really proud of. Amazing stat. All right, so. I've been railing quite a bit about um, ESG scores and this green energy revolution because what I see is just, uh, I, I've summarized it down to just a couple words, which is the elites don't want to compete. And that's all it is. So they create these new regulations where um, they basically guarantee their profits for basically goods and services that don't create value, actually rob you of your wealth. They drive up the expenses of things such as energy and other uh, other products and services that you need in your life, um, which can have catastrophic effects for the poor if the implementation is too aggressive. Uh, and what I keep seeing, and we're going to delve into the specifics, so I'll give it back to you in a second, is that it seems like the central planners don't even have their homework done of trying to initiate these policies. Like, they're just thinking... It's almost like uh, I think uh, this is the failures of having fake the moon landing is that they have this idea that government can just say, hey, we're going to accomplish something and then everyone will just fall in line. Magical pieces will arrive and we'll just create solutions and it will all just magically work out. 
But if you just get smart people to break down the numbers, you can look in and go, this just doesn't work. The energy grid does yeah. not support everyone being on an electric vehicle. We don't have the, like, just literally people aren't going to be able to start showing up to work. So I know that there are new regulations specific to New York City that go beyond just, hey, you can't have your gas stove. You're going to have to have an electric one. So maybe you can tell us some of the specifics of, like, the new laws are looking to implement. Yeah, I mean, the, the widespread adoption of electrification, um, the city's engineers, which is the New York ISO are the engineers that run the city's grid. And they have been saying that between um, retiring our natural gas generators and pushing, really forcing this uh, adoption of um, electric transportation and electric buildings, um, are we're going to have unreliable electricity in New York City, where they're going to see deficiency in the reliability starting in 2025. That's only two years from now. And meanwhile, our politicians um, just forge ahead as, as if like as if the engineers aren't aren't warning them that this is a huge mistake. I find that to be just completely baffling. Um, and it's a really confusing like situation to me where I'm like, why would politicians do something that will ultimately like like make them look bad like when this fails how is that going to do anything but make them look bad so i just don't i don't even get it um there is so right just, now uh, uh, i i want to ask about that specific point because that sounds really sharp so even without an increase in current energy consumption in new york city with other regulations just to retire current energy sources we're going to have energy problems in new york city by 2025 is that that's right is that this and what's fascinating about that is that if you think about it, if they're also looking to increase electricity usage by moving such, you know, your stoves, I don't know how much energy is actually used by your stove, but if they're trying to get you your think? cars, like, you know what I'm, I'm saying? If they're actually looking to make changes to even increase the energy consumption and you know yeah. that we don't even have a current, currently enough electricity, yeah, that, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I've been now in meetings with politicians, um, I spoke with our Queensborough president, which is Donovan Richards, and I have spoken with um, New York City Accelerator, which is they basically have a, um, a contract from the city to help buildings go through this process of electrification. Um, and they are all saying, you know, oh, don't like you can totally electrify your building. Our summer peak for electricity use is 42% higher than our winter peak. So we have like 42% of space before we'll even run into problems. So like you go ahead and electrify. That's like 42% is like not, not a lot of space, especially if you're trying to do a lot, all this electrification on the same timeline of like, they'll like LL97 has a deadline of 2035. Like that's when they want all of us to have retrofit electric heat to our buildings. Like, I don't, how fast are they expecting that they can build out the grid to match that demand? That's insane. Like it, it doesn't even so make sense, but further. Oh, let, let's break ahead. it down. Ask so what is the LL97 law? The LL97 law is a carbon emissions cap on buildings over 25,000 square feet. So they are saying that by 2030, it's like it, it goes in stages. So by 2030, they want a 40% reduction in carbon emissions. And by 2035, they want a 60% reduction in carbon emissions. And they're trying to hit net zero by 2040. Um, and it it's putting a lot of 
pressure. Basically, the only way a building can reduce their carbon emissions by 60% is by turning off their natural gas heat and converting to electric heat. Because natural gas heat typically accounts for about 75% of a building's carbon emissions. Um, so they're forcing, like, they'll, they'll say like, oh, by 2030, all you have to do is like, change your lights to LEDs and like, I don't know, up, upgrade your like, something silly, upgrade your water system. And it will be like $2,000 here, like $4,000 there. But the end line, like the end game of this law is that buildings have to electrify their heat. And if you don't get started on that process, like five years in advance, like you're not going to meet the deadlines because it's a and huge so, renovation. Okay. And so this law already passed, like this is now true for oh, every yeah. building in New oh, York yeah. City. And so yes. that seems to me, I, I mean- Buying a house, buying an apartment, even I just rent my apartment, like just the the financial decisions that you make, particularly in terms of where you live, uh, they're very costly and kind of sticky. Like if you actually go through the process of getting a mortgage that you can buy your apartment, yes. I mean, it's not that easy. Like I can pick up tomorrow and leave my apartment and I'm a single dude. I still have a ton of just bullshit here that would be annoying to pack up. It's always annoying to find a new place. It seems unbelievable to me that the government can come along and just pass a law that could create an extravagant cost on on you. That like, I mean, I don't even know what would the cost be to you yes. to suddenly switch from uh, gas to electric. And then it's also like, what new, what other laws are they just going to pass in two months from now that all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, you just turned my home, my investment in my house negligible because now nobody wants this thing because you got to go spend a hundred thousand dollars just to live here. It's going to create a housing like collapse in New York City if it goes through. Um, the costs are enormous. So we had an engineer come and go through our building and basically tell us what we could what we had to do to comply with this law. To put in the heat pumps is a three million like three million dollars for our building for the heat pumps, not including bringing the electricity like into our building to support the heat pumps not including like opening people's walls, like everybody's walls in their apartment to like bring the electricity into their apartment to make this possible, not including like the just emotional burden for every person being displaced by this renovation. Um, but yeah, I mean, a $3 million renovation for residents in my building is easily a, a 20 to 30% increase in like monthly maintenance charges, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. And that's before electricity prices. I mean, you know probably this already, but electricity prices, because we're trying to move to renewable electricity, are increasing all the time. We had a 30% increase in our electricity prices this past winter. So you're like, on, with that on top of the renovation price, uh, cost of living for people living in my apartment building could easily be 600 to $1,000 so more. A month as a as a comment on uh electric heat my current building has electric heat and uh for the past three winters i've prided myself on that i basically never turn it on i mean never wow and occasionally i'll put it up to 50. uh and that was because one month i got a bill it was like 300 or something i was like you know what i don't need heat that bad Fuck this right and then i was also thinking yes. th this is where i'm just a serial killer i started thinking you know what I bet I can just get used to it. And there's, there is like, to some extent you kind of adjust. And then I was like, and I don't, I don't run air conditioner in the summer. And I had like this kind of, 
military philosophy, which is like, if you can just adjust at home, like what I like about it is I'm very rarely complaining about temperatures. I feel like that's a very Jewish thing. You walk into it, oh, it's so cold in here. It's so hot. Like, so I feel like by living in a home that's uncomfortable, I just adjust to the temperature. And then I'm like, I, I, I'm less, uh, I'm, but I've, I've learned, I think this will be the last winter I do that. Cause like when it started getting nicer out like this, I was like, Oh, I think I was depressed all winter. Cause I was cold. Yeah. <laughs> I was it like, is, is depressing. Our- <laughs> but wait, let me ask you. Yeah. So you do that even when it's like 20 degrees outside. So no, there's like a metric. I I'll keep the apartment at about 50. So like if it gets okay. down, if it gets down, this is, I, I know this is crazy. If it gets to a point where my hands are actually cold in the apartment, like if my oh hands my are gosh, cold, you are crazy. <laughs> then I'll put it up. Then I'll put it on to fifty. But that's the metric of like, oh, I gotta go put that on. If not, put on but a so, sweatshirt, wear your winter hat, buckle up. Oh my but gosh! Well, the, then you're the point ready I'm trying to make. Oncoming apocalypse. <laughs> well, yeah, I was joking quite a bit to uh, all my. I know I have a big German uh, listening fan base when they were talking about that they were going to freeze in the winter because there was no natural gas. I was. I looked at the temperatures. I was like, Germany's not any colder in the winter than here. You just have to. You got to adjust this now. So if energy prices go through the roof, you're already used to not having heat in the winter. Like if we get to the point where I'm age seventy, everyone else is going to be dying off because they haven't spent a whole lifetime, you know, without heat. I've been doing it since I was in my thirties. <laughs> Um, the point I'm trying to make is, (laughs) no, the point I'm trying to make is I have electric heat. So I can tell you firsthand, it's a, it's very expensive. And then I hear about, oh, well, the electric cars, the electric this, I'm like, I don't know. I already have an electric product and it strikes me like it's way, a way more expensive, like alternative. It doesn't strike me as a good product. Like I've lived in other apartments where I didn't have electric heat. I don't remember having bills this high. And then if you're converting everyone to have to use the electricity over, over the competitors, it's like, I can only imagine what your energy costs are going to be in a month. Yes. Um, it's so heat pumps also they're efficient in like moderate temperatures, uh, 40, 50, maybe even 30 degrees. When you get down into the twenties and the teens, they become increasingly inefficient, which means you're running that much more power to try and get the temperature up to 50. Um, and all that power of course costs more money. Um, so yeah, but also like the biggest problem that I foresee with that is that those power surges, when you need to be, bringing your, the temperature of your apartment up to 50 from 17. That's when you're going to be really straining the grid. And that's when you're going to have a blackout. And a blackout in New York City is going to be, a blackout in New York City when it's 17, 15, or even 10 degrees outside is going to be a catastrophic humanitarian emergency. Like, especially when you think of these co-op buildings that are, you know, over 10 stories, that means that their water is electric, they have an elevator, obviously, um, the heat. These are people who cannot get out of their building. Like they have to walk, cannot get water into their apartment, like don't have heat. I, I'm trying to picture how this isn't like if you have older people in that building, if you have children and babies in that building, like how is this not a, like a nightmare? This so is where I'm like, look at, let's just look at it from the so, aspects of the failures of central planning. So to recap, what was the, firstly the law that I guess changed the, the the first thing that you had said that the current electric um, grid is changing in New York that you said that they're taking off some of like the natural gas. Yes. Uh, so that's that's already passed or like that that's set in stone that's done. The law so local local law ninety seven has definitely passed. It was passed as part of the global climate mobilization act of twenty nineteen. 
Um, the retiring of natural gas generators is a statewide initiative. Um, I'm, I've been like trying to figure out like what exactly the law was that passed that like put it into motion. Um, but basically it's a statewide, it's Governor Hochul has been talking about it. Um, they're going to try and turn the grid from the reliance on natural gas. And right now it's 60% reliant on natural gas to generate the electricity that com comes from the grid to your apartment. So Which it this is another thing where I'm like, with, it, it would sound to me like you would have to look at it and go, hey, look, I got this new nuclear power plant. And so we have enough energy here right. to look at the current energy yes. consumption and just say, I'm going to get rid of where 60 percent of it comes from without knowing up front. Hey, I have an alternative plan strikes me as batshit crazy. And I guess what their thought is, it's, it's, it's the, crazy. <laughs> it's the La La Land thinking where they go, well, we'll figure it out. But they're not really going to figure it out. They're just going to drive up costs and basically create profits for the other energy producers and their dumb windmills or wherever the hell it's coming from. I don't even know. But in this case, when it comes to energy costs, like, I don't know, it just strikes me like it will be catastrophic. Like what happens when people can't actually afford their energy? Like, let's just say that they didn't actually do the building switchover. Let's just look at, they took away 60% of the NAC gas when people start seeing that first month's energy bill and the NAC gas supplies are gone, do they revolt? Do they just walk it back and realize, hey, this was a mistake? Like, in their eyes, what's the plan? I literally don't know because natural gas generators, like, need to be properly maintained. Like, this is what happened. I don't know if you remember that Texas storm, that ice storm where they had that right. major blackout. They had not maintained or winterized their natural gas generators. And solar and wind, which they do, like... The, the local politicians that I've spoken to, they do like put that out as as the, the solution. This is what we're going to build a grid on wind and solar and lithium ion batteries, which they you don't have never seen a battery big enough to actually be able to do this. But OK. Um, and meanwhile, we're going to retire our natural gas generation. This plan like makes me want to pack up my family and leave New York because it will not work. And New York City without power is not going to be a safe place to be. So I like there's no if we cannot convince politicians that this is insane and must be stopped, it will like I don't I, I do not know what will happen to New York in the future. Like I do not see like a positive outcome. Right. So this strikes me like the kind of thing where um, a kind a con Edison or whoever is mm -hmm. in the business. I don't know the con Edison is, but whoever is in the business of, hey, I'm going to build these uh, these new battery packs in New York City or whoever is the uh, construction company that got the license to convert buildings. So I understand why yeah. they would sit down with the politician and go, hey, listen, we're going to implement this. And then you get a politician. They're already on the, hey, we we got to do the green energy thing. They turn around to people in the area. No one knows about this. I've, I haven't seen the New York no Post write about LL97. No one knows. I understand you get up in front of some board and you go, listen, we need to be green energy in New York City. And this is going to be good for growth because everyone's concerned about the environment. And no one's done any of the homework. No one's done any of the specifics to go, hey, that won't actually work. They basically just lie to them and go, this is a great idea. And so it gets passed. But then when it comes to the yeah. four and five years later, when the people in your building have to actually sit down and they go, oh, they passed a law and now 
each unit here needs to chip in $30,000 for us to update. And we don't know what the cost is going to be beyond that. So when the bill comes due and people actually realize, oh, wait, what did our politicians do? Do they then like, does this just get revoked before it gets implemented? It was just like a nice idea and the central planners kind of fail because they didn't actually do their homework or like, I, I, I don't know, what is your forecast of, is there catastrophic failure and then they try and reverse course, but they can't even because, you know, they shut down power plants that we needed. Like, what, what is your kind of five-year forecast for, I guess, once this formally, I guess, law gets like turned on? This is a very good question and one that keeps me up at night, frankly. Um, <laughs> so there is, people are waking up to the cost of this and there are movements now there like the new york post just had an article that there's uh people who represent like 800,000 co-op unit 800,000 co-op units who are revolting against the implementation of this law because of the costs the costs would right. just be so enormous for co-op residents um that it's it, like i said it would create a housing collapse frankly and um so that's good that's positive and in the new york post article uh Queensboro president Donovan Richards came out as an ally of that movement saying, you know, we really need to help the co-op owners. We really don't want to cause like a a housing affordability crisis more than there already is. Um, And so like, let's try to get tax breaks or subsidies or some other like grants and guarantees to make sure that this is financially possible to go forward with this law. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking this is a great like not like the the grassroots movement to stop this law when people understand what's at stake is very strong um that you know 800,000 units could get behind this so quickly shows that like pe- when people understand how much money it's going to cost them they they want to stop it my worry is the politicians we've been sold such a strong fear narrative about climate change And I believe that our politicians believe it and think that they need to do something or that they've been voted into their position because they've told their constituents that they are willing to do something big initiative to to stop global warming and or climate change. And so I'm reading this and it's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, they're what they're going to do is they're going to get federal money, you know, all that free money and state money and write the co-ops a check so that they can go forward with these conversions without the financial blowback. That's not going to solve the grid problem. In fact, that's going to exacerbate the grid problem because if buildings then are like, like great, like I have the, the, the money and I can just go forth. Um, when you have that many buildings trying to electrify at the same time, you're going to put so much strain on the grid so quickly that you're going you're gonna to burn it out. So, th- so I don't know. I, I guess th- this is the uh, the side of it that uh, fascinates me. I look at what goes on, what, what's going on in France right now, and I don't totally follow French politics. I don't care, but I see what looks like large spread protests over the retirement age going up. I think two years before you can get your benefits. Now, if you just look at like the grand scheme of how many benefits, I know here government's lying to us to pretend like you can have, but they don't actually have the funding for. People kind of. At some point when, like, the bill comes due, they really don't like that they've been lied to. Like, when they turn around, they go, we've been duped. And so 
I feel like we just we have more socialism in this country than we actually like realize that we're living with. And these are just it's just central planning. It's government not actually doing the math on uh, like, you know what I mean? They just think they can wave a wand and go, hey, we're going to go all electric. And then you get people that actually sit down and they do the math and they go, "Okay, well, 60 percent of our electricity is coming from this source. So how are you? What are you doing to what's going to be the new source that's going to replace the 60 percent? Can it replace it at that cost? Okay, then you also have this amount of infrastructure is going to be required. Now, here's the biggest kicker. It's not just this amount of the infrastructure is going to be retired. I mean, it's going to be required. It's if you're wrong, does the old like did you retire the old system that you can't turn it back on? Like, it seems to me like that's kind of what happened uh, in Germany is that they got rid of the nuclear power plants like I would think you'd at least want to keep all this stuff as backup. Like, don't burn yeah. it down yet. You might need it. It's almost like if, let's say you decided to build a bridge right next to the George Washington Bridge. I would say finish that bridge before you yeah. take this bridge down. Because if you're using some new technology and it doesn't work, you might as well have the backup plan. Um, but it sounds like from what you're saying in terms of like maintenance, because I've even heard that with uh, oil refineries in this country, is that if government's signaling that they're basically going to reduce the ability of like, you got to make major investments in infrastructure that sometimes they're 10, 20 year projects. So I'm sure even like uh, your nat gas suppliers in New York city, they probably make investments that are gigantic and they go, Hey, we're going to put this new thing in, but we're going to be able to profit off it for the next 50 years. So I imagine signaling to the market of like to nat gas electrics like your equipment is not going to be allowed here they might not right. even be making the necessary investments that i guess if new york city decided to reverse course and realized oh this central planning is not going to work you might actually be in a situation where they're kind of they're stuck like they fucked up it's over well we're also going to be paying double like the thing with con ed is um con ed makes back the money that they invest by charging customers for their electricity. So they're like, oh, we're, we're more than happy to, to, you know, keep maintaining natural gas and do all of this renewable building for you. We're just going to make you pay for it. Like you have right. to. So that's where I'm also like, at what point, you know, are they going to say there's a cap on what, uh, you know, Governor Governor Hochul and her infinite wisdom is going to say, we're just going to cap the cost and you can't charge people that much for their electricity. And <laughs> Con Ed's going to say, oh, in that case, I'm not going to maintain the natural gas anymore because what's the point like that's where like central planning it just has so many different avenues where it can go wrong um i mean another one is like you need to continually be training people in the skill sets that that like know how to do this so like if people are saying green energy is the future you're going to get so many more people who are trained in that technology and so many fewer that are trained in dealing with the natural gas plants and like I like again, I just I don't know what that what that means for the future. I really don't know. Hey, I'm also we like, hadn't gone our... to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna sell it. It's like that's part of it is that if they remove the freedom of press, that no one gets to go. Hey, look at what these idiot central planners did. Um, because as we yeah. saw with COVID, you can have vaccines that don't make a lot of sense, mandates that literally ruin people's lives, don't let you go to jobs yep. that don't make sense. Uh, they will just plow forward with it and make sure that the alternative information doesn't reach people. And sadly, there's a lot of people out there that are suckers for an official narrative. It's 
It's very interesting. It's like one of the things I've been thinking about is how people with good intentions become soldiers for bad ideas. Like, like I was saying, like, I think this global warming narrative has really made people afraid and made people like I have neighbors, like friends in my neighborhood who are like, this is like a worthwhile sacrifice for us to make. Like, this is so important. The world is going to end. Like, our children are not going right. to be okay. And this carbon reduction um, is probably so negligible. I bet if you turn oh, it's all beyond of your... Yeah, yeah. It's Well, first of all, we're already living with a smaller carbon footprint than, like, almost any other American. We don't drive. We live in smaller homes. Like, we walk to everywhere we take public transit like what do you want from us where our carbon footprint is so much lower than the average person but yeah exactly what you're saying which is um i actually looked it up because i was curious and china's uh co2 emissions are like 10 billion tons and all of the u.s is like 4.9 billion tons and what they're trying to do in New York is they're like the goals as stated are like, we're going to reduce carbon emissions by 20 million tons, million. Like this is not going to make a lick of difference. It, all it's going to do is ruin people's lives. Like, all right. So how many buildings must just be ignoring this? Like I would think if I'm, if I own a single building in New York city and I got this, I might just look at the math and go, I can't afford to do this. I'm just going to play my card that other people, there must be a lot of building owners in New York city that maybe own one building, maybe own two building. I mean, because the math is pretty simple. It's like if I own a building and the government comes in and says that I have to make, I don't know, let's just say what's like the smallest size building that would fall into LL 97. Like how many units? I don't know. It's 25,000 square feet. What's I don't I don't know sure I can't visualize square be. feet I have no idea yeah like a one bedroom building, apartment is how many a one bedroom apartment like is probably like six to seven hundred square feet and what and you said it's so, twenty five hundred square feet so you're basically 25, looking 000. at a oh, twenty five thousand yeah wait and we we just said so uh, a one bedrooms building. you said wait one bedroom apartment is six hundred square feet probably. Cause mine's a two bed, one bath and it's like 850, 850 square feet. Okay. Let's just keep it simple. Let's go a one bedroom. Let's keep it simple. Is Let's say 1,000 feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just say it's a thousand square feet and you said it's uh, and what's the metric that you have to convert? 25,000. 25,000. So like 20, right. So yeah, I mean, that's not, I, there aren't that many other than like your multifamily units that have been converted. Um, or I lived in a small apartment building in a story that I guess was about 12 units. I have a question for you. This is my Jew brain uh, coming to work here. Can I split my building with someone then and split it between multiple entities? So like if I owned a building that was 50 units, can I sell half of the building to someone else and now declare this as two different buildings? I don't think, well, so like with co-ops, for example, we have like a proprietary lease. It's like a very complicated, like legal Yeah, but then situation. couldn't you just like, couldn't you all just decide, all right, we're ending the co-op and now everyone owns their own unit type? Like, it, 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 is there going to be legal workarounds that the smart Jew lawyers will step in and figure out so that no one has to actually comply with this? I don't think so, but I like where okay. your head is at. <laughs> so I, I like leave the podcasting idea. And become a Jew lawyer. <laughs> You can make so much money, you know, but 
here you are. Yeah. Um, but I do, uh, there, I do want to mention that there are fines associated with local law 97. So if you try to ignore it, basically they hit you with, um, like again, fines that come in stages. So they like start sort of, you maybe you could pay it and it would only cost like $25 per shareholder to get rid of it. But then in 2030, it's like, you know, exponentially larger. And then by 2035, when they want you to have done this big conversion, I mean, no building is getting away with paying less than several hundred thousand dollars in fines. So I actually asked our local politicians, like, is this just a carbon tax? Because like, maybe they're not actually expecting buildings to convert, but they're thinking we can just turn this into another revenue stream for the city to like get these billions of dollars in fines. Um, And they say that it's not. I mean, I'm unconvinced. (laughs) I think maybe it is just a carbon tax. Um, But you know, you see, because if, the world. this is kind of what you need. You need every landlord to basically slip a letter under the door of all their units and say, uh, well, you wouldn't want to channel it this far ahead, but you would basically say next year, I have to increase your rent by this amount in order to be in compliance with this new uh, law so that people at least realize where the uh, where the rent hike is coming from. But you look at some oh, of the yeah. numbers of just how many people have left New York City because of uh, um I mean, a lot of like big money left New York City. Like, I think they, I mean, forget the fact that New York City was always running at a deficit. It's always funny when I used to watch, like, uh, um, I don't know if it was the mayor or if it was the governor that sometimes you watch them do. Or maybe I just heard Larry Sharp talk about the accounting tricks that they used to pull to say that, hey, we balance the budget. But you already have a massive amount of wealth that's left New York City. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It just seems like this, this sounds catastrophic. Yeah. I mean, I think that if people can leave that they should. I mean, a a lot of the issue is that some of the people in these co-ops are, you know, this is this has been their home for 30 years. People in my building, this my building converted from rental to co-op in 1987 and I'm on the board. Some of those people have been here. They bought their apartment when when the co-op like was first initiated and so they've lived here their entire adult lives like this is home for them and now they're retired they're living on fixed income like it's very hard in that situation to just pack it all up and walk away um but i'm more concerned for them than myself because i like if if they lose their whole life savings and their asset and everything like i it's and then here's and then this is what makes the situation so incredibly scary and where i talk about preferred players so let's say they pass this law and all of a sudden all these buildings become unaffordable and the price value of them drops down tremendously because this law mm-hmm. has basically made them all insolvent. People can't afford yep. to live there anymore. It just doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, let's just throw out a name, a BlackRock or some other big corporate player picks up all these assets and basically gets the law changed. And now they go back to their previous value. Like laws like this are almost a good way of robbing like like literally just robbing people of their wealth. Like you looked at just the theme of you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, this is the way that big corporate players can actually literally, it's like the old story of having your farm stolen by like the whatever, you know what I mean? Like this is the way that it happens. Government passes a law that erodes the value of your asset and then they change. And then basically you can't afford to keep it anymore. And then they just change the law. 
It's like, imagine like water rights in a town. If you were a farm, they just turn off, they go, hey, this river is no longer servicing this area. And then you go, oh, I'm going to lose my farm. And then a big corporation buys the farm right. and the government goes, oh, we're going to have water in the area again. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that happens is that these buildings face foreclosure and, and have to be bought by, I mean, these homes face foreclosure and have to be bought by banks. Um, that that does ultimately and then you'll just see the, you'll sense. just see the uh you'll see the law the law change where you'll see a carve out for whatever reason that these banks because of their other investments in green whatever that's what you'll see you'll see your preferred players will get a carve out it could even be that the government takes over the buildings because NYCHA is completely exempt from this law What's and NYCHA? all government buildings NYCHA is new york city housing <laughs> authority Wait, all of so, the projects basically they've carved out their own projects and right. their own government buildings and they understand the that it's unaffordable and won't work completely completely yes or they they're like oh we couldn't possibly we have no idea how to even get started but you private homeowners like the only productive class in the city you have to figure it out all right so it does, it's crazy let's just uh let's just qu quickly recap central planning doesn't work we used to live in a free country, so luckily we, yeah. we weren't uh, communist China or communist Russia where people starved to death because of decisions that were made in terms of the way they were going to allocate food and other resources. Uh, it's amazing the extent by which the people who believe in central planning don't even sit down and do their homework to do basic forecasts of where are you replacing 60% of the energy, how do you expect consumers to be able to convert their buildings? What are you going to do when you get rid of a energy supply and you increase the demand for the other one? How are people like, it's just three couple questions yeah. to go. How can this possibly function? And you're like, what goes on in these meetings that nobody does any forecasting? Like I would think you would need like the same way you get an architect or an engineer before you build a building to go, yeah, we worked it out. There's not going to be an exit on the second floor with, that just it goes into the, you know what I mean? Goes to the we don't street. want, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, or hey, this is how much weight a bridge can hold before we're going to put cars on it. Like, you would go, how much energy does the city currently consume? How much is it going to need? Where are we going to get it from? Like, it just seems like it would be very simple forecasting. Um, yeah. And from, I guess, what I'm seeing and reading, they just don't do it. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to add to that that, like, if, the city grid re requires natural gas to work. Why are they saying buildings can't use natural gas to heat their homes? Like if it, you're just, you're just burning the natural gas somewhere else, but it's like less efficient to burn it over here and generate the electricity that you then heat the home with electricity than to just let the home be heated with natural gas. It, it literally makes no sense. Right. Um, okay. So I think we, we covered the, uh, I think the wide scope here and I just really wanted yes. to give people an insight into there are, cause I keep just yelling, Hey, there's these ESG scores, there's preferred players they are trying to rig the game so that they can make profits. And I very rarely come in with like the actual specifics. Uh, you came out to my show every Wednesday, Cafe Bohemia, come hang out. And you were saying, you know, New York city passed this LL 97 law, and this is a real thing. This is my building is confronting a catastrophic price increase of that. We have to convert to something that makes no sense and will make zero dent in terms of, uh, you know, trying to curb this, uh, supposed global warming fatal phenomenon. On. So I think it's so good to hear like, yes, there are real laws. There is central planning at play and it is having real life effects on people. 
Uh, before we call it an episode, was there anything else on this that uh, you thought people should be aware of that maybe we didn't cover? I think we covered pretty much yeah. everything. <laughs> I'm trying to host, uh, I'm trying to get a rally together in Western Queens for mid-June. So everyone should follow my Jane Menton NYC social accounts to stay up to date on this fight that we're doing in Queens. Very cool. And then once more, uh, what was the date in the next show form? Monday, May 22nd. Monday, May 22nd, Gene Epstein. Uh, I look forward. Uh, sadly, I'm going to be down in Texas. I'm doing a uh, Childerberg that weekend, but I can't wait to watch that video online. Thank you. And hope to see you at a Soho forum soon, Robbie. Absolutely. They're always fun. I get to eat some snacks or I used to be able to eat some snacks in the yes. back. It's a, it's a different setup now. All right. Let's, uh, that is our episode. Hang out for a second, Jane. Thanks everyone for joining okay. us. Thank you.